Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. Today we are going to start to expand our imagination of what's possible for our speaking business. For this podcast, we go out across the pond to my friend and client, Shola Kay. Welcome Shola to the podcast. Hi Jane, it's so good to be with you here. Ah, I have been wanting to have you on this podcast for quite some time. Now, I know, of course, because we work together, I know a fair amount about your business, but tell everybody about your current business model. What do you do? Who do you do it for? I'm a predominantly a keynote speaker, but I also do trainings, leadership training. And my clients, I'd say 60% of them are in the USA, predominantly in California, which can be interesting since I'm based <laughs> like eight hours time difference ahead of them. Um, further away? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one, but it means, you know, sometimes I'm just working at nights and then I have my days free, which can be really cool. And so most of my clients are in the tech space, but they're across the board. I mean, I have some that are in the energy space, others that are, you know, fast moving consumer goods. So kind of across the board, but mainly tech clients. And so because you speak in the DEIB space, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, it makes sense that tech, because there's so high growth, is a good market for you. Like they have grown probably without a lot of cultural, you know, ideas in place. They maybe didn't have a really clear understanding of what they wanted as they were just growing so exponentially. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, I definitely think it's true. And even though DEIB is, is a, a big area right now, and rightly so, because there's so much work to be done, I do feel that there are a lot of organizations that are still very much at the beginning of their journey. And some of them might be, as you say, Jane, smaller tech companies who've grown very quickly and they don't have much in place. But then even some really large companies, it's quite interesting to see where they are. And perhaps because they are so large, they've had to move a bit slower than other smaller companies. So they're still feeling their way, getting things in in place. Right. And I'm so happy for you that you're on this wave because I don't see it going away anytime soon. Do you? Yeah, it's a big area. And and I speak on empathy. And empathy intersects with diversity, equity, and inclusion, intersects with leadership, intersects with um, communication. And even now, as we kind of are teetering potentially on the verge of a recession, I've had clients come to me saying, we've had to let people go. Can we come and do some leadership sessions on empathy so that our leaders do this in a, in a kind and humane way? So it's quite interesting. So that's an interesting place that you're seeing people who are letting employees go leading into, which I think is kind of a fear-based decision, by the way, because we don't really know what the recession is going to bring. But also, we have the great resignation. And so there's a lot of opportunity out there, I think, for people who do get let go, because there are still a lot of employee, a lot of employers who are scrambling to try to find enough people for their teams, right? 
Yeah, I think it's a really unique situation at the moment because when I, you know, really doubled down on empathy and a couple of, I think last year I did a white paper and did some round tables and spoke to lots of HR leaders and they were really talking about, well, how do we retain people? And then, you know, you've got some people who are letting staff go, others who are still trying to retain and recruit. So it's a really interesting kind of mix of of, uh, things that are going on right now in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of problems to be solved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> a lot of problems to be solved. Well, okay. So let's talk about kind of where your business has come from. Where did you, how many years ago did you start into the speaking business? I probably started in the speaking business, I'd say sort of five, six years ago, but just very much on a part-time basis. So just doing a little bit alongside other work. Okay. Um, yeah. And it was really mainly in the lockdown. Lockdown forced me to really double down on on my speaking business. And obviously, I'm very glad that I did. Yes, yes. I'm glad that you did too. Because would you have imagined, so you started out by doing contracts locally in the UK, in your backyard, maybe where? In the rest of Europe, perhaps? And now have seen like just this massive growth to the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because years ago, I I lived in the USA for about seven years and I went to graduate school and worked for a few years and then came back to the UK. And I had wanted to kind of break into the US speaking market for a while. And it it was hard, obviously, because clients may not want to fly you over to the States, etc., because of the expense. Um, And then when lockdown hit, suddenly there was a level playing field because wherever you're from, world is flat (laughs) (laughs) which was a beautiful thing and that really allowed you virtually to cross the pond and get and start to gather momentum with U.S. clients okay so five or six years ago could you have imagined the types of deals that you're booking today because I think The UK is similar to Canada in that we kind of have some limitations in our mindset in terms of what's possible with our fees and how high we can go. Would you say five years ago, you could have imagined, you know, last month's contracts? No, no way, no way. And I remember thinking, gosh, you know, sort of looking at some of the speakers who are really big in the States and sort of knowing the kind of fees that they command, just thinking, well, there's no way, especially being here in Europe, there's no way that, you know, I could ever command any of those sorts of fees. And then looking at bigger deals, so not just the keynote, but the leadership training or the 10 session package or the 20 session package or whatever it might be, just never... I just it was just like a, a kind of black box. Like, what's in there? How how do you get in? <laughs> <laughs> how do you get in? And then once we kind of turned the key and opened up the black box, it's like, hmm, there's a lot of opportunity in here. Not only can I do some virtual things to make myself available for bigger contracts, but I can also charge more. You know, flying flying from the UK to California, obviously, that's a big deal. And of course, we want to charge appropriately for that. The reason I, I really wanted to do this session with you is because I just want to ask our listeners, are you putting any barriers on yourself? Are you putting any limits on what you think is possible? Because Shola and I are here to tell you that 
we don't actually know where the where the top end lies right now. Even here in Canada, I have seen one of my other clients, Kendall, just blow through what I thought were the limits on Canadian speakers and keynote fees unless you had some sort of, you know, if you went to the moon, if you're Chris Hatfield, then you're in good shape. <laughs> Other than that, I thought there were some limits and there aren't. And I'm here to tell you that there aren't. So Shola, talk a little bit about, so I'm just getting, I'm getting ready to publish the Wealthy Speaker 3.0 this fall. And so we have flashpoint stories in there. Talk a little bit about what some of the flashpoints were, some of the moments when you saw acceleration in your business. Well, first of all, I think during lockdown, once I realized that it was really time for me to expand rather than try and wait things out, the first thing that I did is I, I thought, okay, well, how do I expand to another market? And so I was using LinkedIn quite heavily. Um, and I actually thought, well, let me engage. I engaged a couple of agencies to see what they would do because I had quite some fears. Like, who am I? How can I get these big name, household name clients? There's no way. So I thought, well, if I use them, then, you know, I won't be stopping myself. So they were out there just pitching and connecting with whomever. And they didn't. They weren't thinking, well, Shoda's, Shoda's thinking quite small. Let's just do the small companies. They didn't think that. Yes. So when I started getting some, you know, some of the big tech companies and big uh, global companies interested in me. It was, it was kind of quite scary in a way, like how on earth? But I think what I found is sometimes when you put limits in your own way, mm-hmm. what can be better is just find somebody who can help you, whether it's even that you have a barter arrangement or you've got some extra cash to hire someone in who hasn't got the same fears. So that really helped me hugely to tread, you know, where I would never have trodden <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> Hiring other people can often help you explore a bigger vision for yourself. I have coaches that tell me all the time, you know, you're a rock star, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I probably needed to hear that today. Because don't we sometimes start to move into like an imposter syndrome or any any version of self-doubt? Have you battled with self-doubt throughout your business? Oh, hugely so. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you know this, Jane, because you were coaching me, but I'd come and, oh, I don't think I can do this, Jane, or, oh, I've, I've got a quote for this. Is that enough? And you'd say, no, double. You'll say, this is our conversation. Double <laughs> emails me and says, I've got this client and this is the situation. What should I charge? And Jane writes back, charge your fee. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just charge your fee. We have an international fee. We have a corporate fee. And actually, that same fee applies to nonprofits. So charge your fee is often the answer. But I think sometimes having someone in your back pocket to just say, of course, you can do this. You're a badass. Look at all the things that you've done already. Sometimes I think we just need to hear that from somebody else to kind of go, oh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something else that you, uh, you kind of really worked with me on was just this idea of the vision and intention too. Because um, once I sort of had my foot in the door a bit more with the keynotes, and I was thinking, well, the, the thing with keynotes is you're constantly having to get the next one and the next one. So I was thinking, well, how about the bigger deals where you've perhaps got four keynotes or you're doing a big leadership training? And so then it was, then I started to think, well, how can I package my keynotes together to create a program? 
And then when somebody comes to me and says, can I have the keynote? I say, well, actually, I've got the, there's four parts of this program. Why don't we discuss that instead? So that was another big moment for me. Okay. So hiring out intentional packaging is the second one. What's the third one? Another thing that was really helpful for me was upgrading my, and I know a lot of people had to do this when they went virtual, but really upgrading my keynote and also my software that I was using. So I started using Prezi Video and no, Prezi's not, it's not like green screen. It's, you know, it's not particularly complex at all, but a lot of the big enterprises, because they have to be really careful about the software that they bring in, they haven't been exposed to certain software. So one client now who I've got a very big leadership project with, when I came in with Prezi Video, which is like $9 a month or something to use, they were like, wow, we love your keynote and your software is amazing. And then they booked me to do a very big leadership training. They said, oh, you are bringing that software, aren't you? I said, of course, if you want it, of course, it's there. I have to tell you, Pamela Barnum was the first one who used Prezi Video for us. We demonstrated it. We had her in the school showing everybody how she used it. And she also got booked a lot because she had, and and Prezi is not, like you said, it's not a big, huge, expensive software. And I think once you grow comfortable with it, it just allows you to, in a very easy way, change screens and show slides side by side or whatever way you want to do it. And I think that just in my mind, your intention was to level up. So it wouldn't have mattered what tools you use to level up. It just matters that you cared about leveling up and taking your presentation to the next place. And uh, I think virtually people really saw that and they loved it. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing with the virtual is I made sure that my talks were super interactive. And for me, I mean, it fires me up as well, because you never know with any audience what they're going to put in the chat box or what's the flavor going on at their organization. So it kept me on my toes so that the the keynotes weren't stale. But also they loved the fact that they could put something in the chat and I would immediately address it in my keynote and say, oh, yeah, Jane, I totally agree with you. Well, yeah. Yeah. And that really... People came away energized and feeling like they were closer to me. And I felt like I was closer to them. And that really made a huge difference to me in terms of just that connection with the audience. It's so nice. And so imagine you go in and you do a keynote to kind of launch whatever the event is live in person. Then you can do these virtual events feeling like you already have some relationship with this audience. Now, let me ask you a little side question because it's about empathy and things like that. Are people able to communicate with you anonymously and... I'm just wondering if people feel more comfortable saying difficult things anonymously in a corporate setting. Mm. I think sometimes what happens is if there's an opportunity for them to connect with me without having to share with everybody, I see some comments come in. And then I always encourage people at the end to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Because I say, well, I've been talking for the last hour, but I want to hear from you. Let me know what what you're up for next. And I've had people connect and say, oh, thank you. This topic of empathy, you know, I'm having struggles with my with my wife. Um, I'm going home right now after this keynote. We're going to talk. You know, this has given me the, the courage to have a conversation. Oh, so those yes. sorts of little comments are really rewarding for, yes. for me. 
For sure. And and this business is rewarding. I mean, let's remind ourselves. Number one, the fact that anybody would even give us $500 for an hour of our time is crazy, right? <laughs> the fees that we're talking about here are quite you know, advanced. And we're so lucky and grateful to be a part of this industry. But also think about every one of you listening. You're out there changing people's lives. And Shola, you, your topic really goes right to the heart of what's going on in the workplace and being more empathetic in the workplace is such an important topic right now, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I mean, I, I started speaking about this probably four or five years ago with a TEDx tool that I was lucky enough to get. And I remember thinking, well, what, what can I speak on? And I just ended up doing this topic because it touched me and it connected with my own personal story. Right. And who I was never to know that years later, now empathy is just blowing up as a topic. And it's, it's a really big one for many reasons. So yeah, I'm super grateful. That actually leads me to a point that I really just want to make on your behalf and the fact that you've been brave enough to put your flag at the top of the mountain of empathy and say, this is what I'm speaking on. Because really when we met, you had a larger repertoire of potential topics And you have been very brave about narrowing down your topics kind of to this one space. And that can be a little bit scary sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when we went through my website and I had, you know, four or five different keynotes on different, like hedging my bets. Well, I have one on this and one on that. He said, look, just try and tie them all together so that there's some kind of theme going on. And um, I'd already written a couple of books, mainly on communication. So it felt really risky for me to move away, even though empathy and communication, of course, are related. It felt quite risky to move away. But one thing I found that helped, which is not the same extent of commitment as a full book, was doing the white paper. Because Mm. I found that I, I get quite a few leads from the white paper because people are interested in empathy. And obviously, the time commitment is less but it can be more in-depth in a, in a way. So if you're a bit intimidated out there by doing a whole book, <laughs> then maybe a white paper or you know something like that, special report could be a way forward. Yeah, any way to document kind of and, and claim that stake in the ground that says, this is what I am an expert in. I think that's a great way to go. It can also be an excellent lead magnet a white paper. And so how, if people are curious about that and would like to get a hold of the white paper, I'm totally putting you on the spot here. Do you know the link offhand or should we share it in the show notes? Yeah. If they go to my website, sholakay.com, just sort of underneath the image of me, there's a a banner there and you can actually click and and get hold of the white paper. And I can give you the link later on for the show notes too, Jane. Okay, so Shola is S-H-O-L-A, K is K-A-Y-E, dot com or dot net? It's dot com. I think you have both, but okay. I suppose I do, yeah. (laughs) Perfect. All right, Shola, incredible. I really love talking to you. If you had any advice for a speaker, let's say who was just getting started like you were five or six years ago, what would you tell them or what advice do you wish you would have had five or six years ago when you were first beginning? 
I would say that it, although it, the, the speaking business from the outside can seem really hard to get into, I think you've got to work on your skills. You've got to work on being a good speaker, solid speaker with a topic that people are interested in. Mm. Um, but it also has to fire you up too. Because I've had people come to me and say, Shola, which topic should I speak on? I hardly know you. How can I tell you? Right. So it's got to come from, it's got to resonate with you as an individual, but also be something that others are interested in. So it's it's that working on two things at the same time. Make sure that you're a, a solid speaker, but also you've got to work on the business side of things. So as I said to Jane, you know, I got someone to help me initially. Um, I've, I've had people help me do a little bit of PR. Even when I had almost no money, I'd find someone who could do two hours a week because I was too afraid to approach anyone, right? So if you're afraid, then just get someone to help you in the beginning until you have that momentum. Mm, and I love that they said, we're going to pitch you to IBM. And you're like, gulp, okay, <laughs> let's do it. And then all of a sudden, IBM is interested. And I won't say that as exact, but uh, something like that I know actually has happened. And your your client list is like the who's who. So congratulations. You've been, I know there's been a little trepidation along the way, but you have been fearless in narrowing your lane. And I think that the market is really, really lucky that you, to have you. And oh. Thank you, Jane. You've been so helpful. I've really, really enjoyed our relationship and mm. looking forward to it continuing and doing even bigger and better stuff. Yes, yes, for sure. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, would you say LinkedIn is the best way to do that? Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, Shola Kay. I have the, um, what's it called? The creator profile so it looks it's easier to follow me than to connect but go do, go through connect because I'd rather connect than just be followed quite honestly awesome well thank you so much Shola if you're listening in I hope that this has allowed you to think a little bit bigger in this is like the summer of possibility for me <laughs> And I'm glad that has been that for you as well, Shola. You're listening in. I hope it is for you as well. And with that, we'll say, see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.